Welcome to episode 44 of The Photo Show, sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photo, Video, and Related Media Program, chaired by Charles Traub. Uh, so, Kai, what's been going on? Uh, well, since you just mentioned uh, the program at SVA, uh, this last week we had um, uh, an incredible book launch and book signing uh, event that they hosted in the big room, and uh, they had many, many uh, people set up and a lot of students and other folks came through, which was kind of wonderful. Uh, and uh, people we've had on the show, of course, Thomas Roma, myself, and uh, Kathy Shore Kathy Shore was there with her book, and uh, which was great to actually see it in print after hearing her talk about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then Kathy Shore also um, had a book signing at Powerhouse Books, I know, last night as well yeah. in Brooklyn. Uh, and if all goes well, that show will be coming down to uh, my neck of the woods in Trenton, uh, in the uh, Trenton photo gallery that I'm running. Great. And you had your first, no, sorry, you had your second exhibition yes. opened this, uh, just this weekend, or this week, right, on Wednesday? Yeah, it was, um, it was the second show, but it was part of the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the, um, of the new Trenton Hall building that the gallery is located in. So it's part of Mercer County Community College and the James Kearney campus. Uh, and it's on uh, 137 North Broad Street in Trenton. But yes, we had our second show. Uh, With which... Wendell White, who was a, episode, had a, a guest on the show. So another loop back into the photo show. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, Wendell White's Schools for the Colored and some of the uh, images from Red Summer. So uh, Schools for the Colored uh, is a show that's been traveling around the country. And it was at Fordham. It was out at uh, Photo Eye. It was... Um, in uh, Pennsylvania at um, Lycoming College, I think is the name. Mm. <laughs> and how long is it going to be up uh, in New Jersey? So the show, uh, we had our reception, we had our talk, and, and Wendell White put on uh, quite a show. I mean, the talk was fantastic. And the show is up through May 4th. Great. Yeah. Uh, I hope everyone who's in the area can get down there and see it. Uh, well, coming up now, next is... Uh, uh, point counterpoint, and uh, this week this uh, episode is going to be camera straps, leather versus canvas. <laughs> I'll be taking canvas, and uh, Michael foolishly will be taking leather. Well, I do or love leather. Not, or not, <laughs> maybe not. So, if you listened to the last episode, which was released on April first, I hope some of you figured out that was our. Uh, attempt at an April Fool's episode, and we certainly had some of them did. Time. Some people did because we got some good comments. Yeah, yeah, and then other people started texting me saying, "Is this DFA thing real? <laughs> you know, or is it really going to be a Doctor of Fine Arts?" So, uh, but no, I, yeah, no. It, well, not yet. Maybe right. it might be prophetic. You know, that's right. But, uh, but, you know, a number of people texted me the correct answer to what uh, picture it was that we were describing. And but they did not send it in like like in an email or something. No. So we have to pick a winner to send out swag, you know. Oh, so so you had you got some text with correct answers. I got nothing. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I got, yes. Well, two people said they they immediately knew which photograph we were talking about, which, of course. All right. Well, let's name. put their two names in a hat and. Uh, <laughs> And pick one. who gets the swag. They, yeah. they get the new photo show mug. Ooh, I don't even have it. No. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. If you haven't listened to it and you want to see what Michael and I think is the <laughs> ultimate in dry humor, go listen <laughs> to the previous episode right now. I, I actually did get some compliments on the show, but um, as uh, as a serious show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we knew we knew we had to risk that. So. <laughs> 
for all the haters out there, I'm sorry. We're going back to our <laughs> going back, quote unquote, going back to our, our real uh, uh, format here. That's so, right, our guest full uh, format. Yes, exactly. Um, but other things about town and uh, oh, by the way, special oh. thanks to Jesse Wakeman, our oh. uh, our roving reporter. Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. Oh, he was fantastic. Yeah, that that is a little bit of what gave it away for one person. They're like, "Wait a minute, this is Jesse Wakeman." They recognized his voice, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, Jesse did an incredible job with very little prompting from us. He came up with a lot of that stuff. Oh yeah, great improvisation by Jesse Wakeman. Yeah, and uh, if you want to see more of Jesse's fine acting chops, uh, he's in a movie which is out in theaters right now. Uh, called Donald Cried that he helped work on and write the script on and everything. And it's a a great film. It's actually very moving and everyone should check it out. Mm. Uh, So now moving along with other news, just uh, if you're listening to this uh, in time, um, next Saturday, April 22nd, the Visual Arts MFA thesis show opens and it's in the new building uh, that has just been completed uh, in the new Manhattanville part of campus. It's right across the street from Prentice Hall on 125th Street, but the official address is 615 West 129th, and it's from 3 to 6, uh, Saturday the 22nd. So come out and see the photographers and everybody else in the program. This is the Columbia MFA show. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I'm bi- I have a biased, uh, <laughs> biased starting point on that. Yes, That's absolutely. Right. And I did say the visual arts because, of course, the film MFA students have their films that are coming out and everything else. But this is just for the visual arts and and the sound arts, actually. So the sound mm-hmm. arts students are going to be having installations in the same exhibition. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, that's worth coming out to see for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other events or we could talk about APAD really quick? Yeah, let's let's talk about APAD. So uh, so we were we were both there and. Um... You know, we were there with the Haywire Press Table with a yeah. special edition of the uh, SPQR books. Yeah, it was excellent. There was this incredible uh, talk between Giancarlo T. Roma and his two grandparents, Lee and Maria Friedlander, and that was a packed house. I mean, so many people came to hear that talk, and uh, I, I tweeted it maybe or Instagrammed it. Other people everyone commented how Maria stole the show. Yes. Yeah. She she really did. Uh, it was, it was a really great conversation. Um, so if you didn't go to APAD this year and you've gone years past, it was crazy how much bigger it was. And it was in, uh, out at the pier 94 and, uh, just massive in comparison to the old space it was in. And, uh, it was like you and I walked through and, I think we went into every single booth or no, we looked at every booth, but boy, that was, there was so much, so many photographs to see and uh, such a wide variety of stuff. I, I hope they, they keep it there. I think. Yes. No, it, it really uh, covered a lot of work and, and it, it is so great to see the, the archival work. It's so great to see the vintage work um, from 19th and early 20th century photographers and, uh, and we should mention you know, Stephen Kasher Gallery had a, a great setup, and and we also need to thank Stephen for uh, our tickets to APED. Um, he gave us uh, some guest passes, and we're hoping to have Stephen on the show in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, in fact, I ran into a number of photographers from Kasher's Gallery, of course, Tom Roma, and I ran into uh, Teju Cole, who said he's having a show there, I believe, opening in June. So. Uh, yeah, look out! Look out for that! Look out for more stuff coming from Stephen Cash Gallery. 
Um, what else did we, was there any big surprises? I mean, we saw the, you mentioned, of course, the interesting like historical photographs and being able to see all of those prints, but there was also a number of kind of uh, integrating uh, iPads and other moving stuff, which I thought was kind of a curious trend, right? So like you'd, you'd walk up to look like a photograph, but then all of a sudden when a section of it would start moving around, almost like a gingerbread house with a projection screen and behind it or something. Yeah, I there's a, I guess it's a, a trend happening now. There's a almost, a, it's almost like watching a, um, a still frame in a documentary where suddenly a bird flies through the image or something like that, you know, in a, as a cutaway piece yeah. for, in a, yeah, in a film. And, and so I, you know, I don't know if it's uh, playing on that idea or playing on, some kind of augmented reality idea where you interacting with it causes it to do something. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not sure how long, how how novel that will remain. <laughs> I didn't see any virtual reality goggles. I expected to see that maybe. No, that's yeah, right. So that's a little behind the times. <laughs> get, it, get on it for APAD 2018. Um, we mentioned Friedlander. One thing I wanted to throw out there is that uh, one thing that you hear often about him is that he gets up at five in the morning, that he's in the dark room by six or whatever, and that by eight or nine o'clock, all of it, the prints are already washed and he's out the door to photograph or go on to the next thing. Uh, I've taken that to heart a little bit, thinking about how to get more time in the dark room myself. So I've been slowly trying to get up earlier and earlier. I've been getting up now like just before six and this week getting in and doing some dark room work in the morning. And uh mm-hmm. It's been liberating. I think it's actually something to uh, keep in mind if you've got the full-time job and coming home at uh, 6 or 7, 7.30 and thinking, oh, am I going to set up the darkroom? But if you start off the day in there, it feels great. Yeah, so, no, that's, that's I commend you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you could always launch Photoshop in the morning. And that, maybe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> we could mention that you and I will be uh, doing a 50-mile bike ride uh, ah, on yes. Staten Island. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's uh, the, on the 23rd. Although I, it's kind of crazy because we're going to do the bike ride. Then I have to rush home get a, and get on a plane to fly up to Buffalo because I'm doing a visiting artist uh, talk and uh, photographing people with uh, the panoramic panorama camera uh, at Buffalo State with Yola Monikov Stockton, who teaches there, who's also been a guest on the show. Well, as the blossoms come on the trees and spring <laughs> finally arrives in New England, you might be finding yourself all pale and scraggly and wondering how to go out and impress people at the beach. At least that's what some of the people look like in, in using their spray tans uh, on <laughs> Jen Davis's latest uh, group of photographs. That was a hell of a to, segue. <laughs> thank you. If you go over to our website, you can hear the first image that comes up is this woman in a spray tan booth. And there's an amazing one later with a guy in a parking lot using a roller to literally like roll the spray tan stuff on this woman while a fan blows behind her drying it. Uh, but we had a wonderful conversation with Jen and uh, caught up with her a couple weeks ago. And spoke about her book. Uh, spoke eleven about, years, yeah. Yeah, eleven years, and uh, not it didn't take us eleven years to speak to her. It was eleven <laughs> years is the title of her book and that project. And um, we we uh, we think you're really going to like uh, hearing from her. She's very forthright and uh, in her work and in her conversation. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Jen Davis deals a lot with uh, body image and identity and and relationships and. You know, a lot, a lot of her work focuses on um, how we would like to be seen and 
uh, how you know what we think of ourselves and and how uh, that all gets filtered to how other people see us as well yeah so the next time you see michael and i in a public appearance we'll both be bronze that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right well enjoy the show everyone and we'll talk soon Conversation, yeah, you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. No trick questions okay. up our sleeves, yeah. or no like, you know. I mean, yeah. maybe we do. We no, don't. No, no, no. Please, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got your mother on the line, yeah, and she'd exactly. like to know. Confirm the story. Well, uh, greetings, everyone. We're here at uh, once again at SVA in the big room, and we're delighted to have with us Jen Davis here today. Hey, Hi, Jen. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be here as well. well oh, good. good. Yeah. yeah. Bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, boy, let's see where to start. Um, one thing I think is interesting as a starting point, we were just talking about MFA just because the uh, mm-hmm. Columbia MFA uh, first year show is tonight. And yeah. uh, you and I were in MFA programs at the exact same time. Right. So we both started, I started Columbia 2006 and you started Yale 2006. And I'm wondering, that might be how I first saw your work just because I, you know, we are aware of who was in sure. different programs like, oh, these people are here. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I think Todd had a show, exactly. right? And right we, around like, that every, time. Yeah. And we all went out to some bar afterwards or something. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> yeah, we all went to that bar. And then yep. later, like, uh, Lee Ladare almost got in a fight with someone right. from your program. Yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think they were getting, like, flirtatious email uh, texts from one of the, some Yale faculty. And, and Lee thought it was uh, lame or something. And then they almost got in a <laughs> yeah. fight because I think... Some guy also had a crush on her. I don't know. Yeah, it was like some like love triangle, I think. Yeah. And I remember getting a little bit heated yeah, for a moment. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 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 But quickly uh, diverted. But yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever happens in grad school, kind of, we were always <laughs> public. But, you know, a lot of the times it's unfortunate that privacy kind of happens. But I guess that was before Instagram and the internet. There was yeah. no photographs circulating or whatnot. But yeah. it was kind of an epic evening. If I remember that. Yeah, it was epic. <laughs> uh, and it was interesting, too, because... Uh, you know, I, I think less so now, but then there was still like this thing of like, oh, Columbia, uh, Yale, it's mm-hmm. like the competing photo mm-hmm. programs. And uh, Columbia is so interdisciplinary now that I don't think it's it's quite the same sort of thing. I think like the, and of course, Yale's changed a lot sure. too over the, yeah, yeah. with, you know, changing of the guard and everything. But um, but uh, yeah, back then it was very much so like, oh, what what are they doing? What are we doing? And, exactly. You know, what's going on? And Open then, studios and yeah, checking yeah. it out. And then when Todd had that show, that was I'd met him before because he's such good friends with uh, Tom Roma that mm-hmm. we had met before. But that was the first time seeing his work and seeing him talk about stuff. And uh, so yeah, that was maybe my first introduction to your work. And then we've seen each other a couple mm-hmm. times over the years, right? Yeah, you brought your students in too. I met Rick that day as well. He That's became right. a, for a student of mine at the ICP program. Yeah, so. we, the summer, Michael, we brought the summer photo intensive oh, people okay. when Jen had a show up. That was 2014, I think. It was, yeah, yeah, 2014. Yeah, so we came to the show and then you met Rick, That's uh-huh. right, who then later took classes with yeah, you yeah. at ICP. Yep. And, yeah. and now he's in the Hartford program, so yeah. yeah. Are you, oh, do you do stuff no, he Hartford? No, but he works in the Hartford program. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, sorry, Rick uh, Schatzberg. That's right, Schatzberg. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, 2014 was a, a good year for you, right? It was a good year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the book came out. Um, 
that book took a while to edit, that's mm. for sure. I mean, I had this idea of making a book for some time, and then the whole editing process and the whole cutoff, like when am I going to stop making pictures? Like mm. when is this point that I can stop? Well, so we're talking about 11 years. 11 years, that's yes. right. 11 years of Not work. 11 years of editing, but no. 11, that's the title <laughs> of the book. Yeah. Probably, probably felt like 11 years. <laughs> that's right, yeah. yeah. So what so. was that editing process? And did, were you working with somebody or did you? I was working with friends, mostly okay. Sasha Rodensky, who's a photographer oh, yeah. as well. And yeah, we were Sasha. classmates together. Other photographer friends, Sam Contes and Drew Donovan were really helpful in the whole editing process for me. But the publishers pretty much gave me free reign. I worked with designers, these guys who I went to grad school with, actually. They're called Other Means. Hmm. And we had this collaboration with the whole you know, design of the book. And I handed them a stack of photographs when I had more certain idea of the flow that I wanted it to be. And they came up with this brilliant idea of completely constructing it differently and having it kind of operate as like, I wanted it to, I always see the work and talk about the work. It's very sequential mm. from 2002 to 2013. And they devised a strategy of kind of dividing up the work so it kind of begins and it introduces with the most recent pictures and mm. then backtracks into the past. Okay. Um, and John Pilson and I had a conversation that kind of happens in the middle of the book. So it serves as this great transition and reflection um, because I had been so connected to the work and I know the work so well, but sitting down and editing a project, looking at all these images, processing them in a new way, mm. thinking about, you know, the book and what that means and the longevity of it and how it's this object that could never change. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of pulling my hair out. But the designers, Ryan Waller, he kind of came up with strategy, thought about, you know, introducing just not having a name on the book, just the back cover, really getting into that idea, all eliminating all color. You know, there's no color in the book besides the photographs and it's a Swiss bind. So the linen tape that becomes exposed once you open the book matches the cover of the book as well. So the cover photograph on the book. So I wanted to keep it really simple. You know, I wanted just the photographs to have a certain kind of pace to them, all be the same size, just really kind of easy in that sense. Yeah, the, so I was just talking to my, I'm teaching a digital documentary class this semester at Columbia, and I was talking to my students. And we were listening to songs and just thinking of structure, because I think it is so, when you're the maker, you're so tempted to come up with uh, linear structures all the time i think or like you think about, or you think about associations yeah. based on you know your 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 background with the work and everything absolutely and then when you're trying to form it into something new especially something potentially sequential like mm -hmm. a book then you're you know it can you can make you could wind up making it really boring for a viewer if you just stick to that structure that you had in your head as sure. you were making it, especially yeah. something like that. Like, oh, it's eleven years. Oh, it'd be an eleven-year time span. We'll just yeah. go in a sequential order, yeah. and you know, it's easy. one thing leads to the next, and yeah. you know, it's all wrapped up. You know, don't don't look at it backwards. Exactly. <laughs> don't start in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Got to start in the do. beginning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And just like that process of stepping outside of the way that I traditionally look at the pictures and the way that I traditionally talk about them was like this beneficial thing of learning something so different from the work as well. Um, and when they finished the book and went on press, had the show at Clampart with it, immediately I was kind of felt like, oh, this closure, you know? Yeah. And that's another reason why time was so important with the name of the book because I felt like the closure feeling of making this thing, it's like the project is complete. And I didn't want that to be the case. And so I wanted to kind of function in a way of time that it can speak about, you know, perhaps in 25 years, I'm still working on this project, and then what that next kind of chapter is. So I wanted to kind of leave it open-ended. 
So 11 years, you might think that means it's done in some ways, but you, you're, you're using it as a, a window of time saying, all right, here, here is where we are at 11 years. Mm-hmm. If this project continues, then mm-hmm. right, you, you would subsequently name it <laughs> later yeah. in time, perhaps. perhaps yeah. Right, right, right. But that, it, that does cover the period in which you made these photographs. Mm-hmm. And we should talk about the, the photographs a yeah. little bit and the, the premise no, of the no. book. <laughs> no, no talking about the photographs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before, before we do, I just want to, sure, you can edit this later, but you, you have one of your photographs is the title At 30, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. So are you planning on a At 40? Ooh, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've... I haven't really thought about it yet, but I'm sure that I will have to make a photograph yeah, at no, 40. Do it, yeah. I don't do every year, though. No, but at know. 30 was this time, too, when I had just graduated from grad school. I just moved to this room in Park Slope, um, had, like, horrible light in the apartment. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't inspired at all. I was having that, like, post-grad school depression of, like, mm-hmm. not knowing what to photograph, right. not wanting to be making the photographs that I was making in Brooklyn, trying to find work, you know, all these like challenges that we all face in this like post-school graduation, like, I don't know what's next. And so I kind of, I hadn't been photographing myself for some time at that point. And so it was kind of like this organic process to kind of go back to it, being in this new environment and making an appointment that, I'm sorry, making a picture that marked time too. Right. So yeah, maybe at 40 coming yeah, up to that's continue. Right. Yeah. So Michael. No, but that, that actually transitions just fine into the premise of the book, which mm-hmm. is about you know, body image and relationships. And I mean, it, it's a very raw uh, kind of look at a, at a relationship, at a, at, right? And, mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm, I'm wondering, I know you've been asked um, to speak on these issues as well, right? You had, a, there was something in Italy, uh, a oh, panel, yeah, a panel that's right? right. Yeah, yeah, on food yeah. Um, and, and right. desire, basically. Right. So, are you, are you, I do want to talk about the, the book, but obviously I'm asking a different question now. <laughs> yeah, let's say you just diverted away I from did. your... <clears throat> I will come back. Yeah. Is that, um, are, you, are you comfortable with the kind of science and psychology and sociology uh, behind the, the images that you make and, and speaking about that? Because I, mean, I think there's always um, this line between the artists and the, the mm-hmm. expert, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all those things. And so how are, how are those panels structured and what is your role on, on those topics and things? I think the, well, the reason why they invited me in to participate in it as well, and it was 20 minutes, it was a really short kind of uh, experience, at least for me as well. But I think they just wanted this outside perspective as far as like how mm. my own, deal with my own psychology, my own kind of creation, my own insecurities, my own desires, how I deal with that like visually without necessarily having to put like a voice onto it. So it's just like purely lives photographically. And then I feel like it's my duty as well as a maker. And I guess when I started talking about the work, I hadn't been making it for a while, then kind of exposing it, talking about the photographs in more public setting. And this is maybe like 2005 or something. Mm. I remember being like, so nervous about this, having to stand up in front of people and try to explain what I was doing or being in an opening and them seeing me and thinking like, is that the photographer? Is that the subject? Like confused, but it was so obvious because of my body, you know, I like kind of stood out like I was not anonymous in any kind of degree. And you were in all the pictures. Yeah. And I was in all the pictures too. So small little segment there. And so I had this kind of feeling that when I was talking about the work and I needed to be really honest about what my intentions were, what my feelings were about what I was trying to inject into the pictures. So from the very beginning, I felt like there was this responsibility that I had to kind of have. And I always kind of thought about myself and my role in the work as um, 
this otherness, like this, it was me, but it was a version of me. It, quickly, I began to think about like this private side of self and this making photographs that I would only kind of share with myself. So things that were too hard to kind of put on display or to show someone me like being on a scale or eating a hot dog or, mm. you know, things that you do in private when you have insecurities around it. So mm -hmm. the role of the camera became like a witness. The role of the camera became like this second set of eyes um, just to kind of capture these feelings that I was having. Yeah. One thing I read in one of the interviews that um, struck me was uh, anyone who's done color or anyone's used a rental darkroom or whatever, there's this, if you're especially, but in a color darkroom, there's a thing where you, you take the test strip out and you pin it up yeah. under the color corrected lights and you're using the filters and doing the whole thing, right? And so there's a, it is public in that way sure. because not only is it that you're showing your photograph, but everyone around you is a photographer usually as well. And like people, I, I just remember being at gang dark color darkens and people are like, oh, more magenta or like, what the hell yeah, is this or whatever. Yeah, just walking by and yeah, saying just that, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like people just comment. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so you talked about how like when you first were starting to print this work and you're like mm -hmm. pinning that up in the color darkroom and having to make this decision of whether or not, you know, you to push through or not it was right. like okay and, and maybe that was the uh, you said that that might have been the source of when you made the decision to like disconnect yourself a little bit from the images that were in the photographs it's like I think boom. absolutely yeah. yeah I remember too it's like making that print and one print in particular of this image where in, at this point in time it was like when I felt like I was starting to take risks in the work because I was exposing my body more or like mm -hmm. I was in a bra and a towel mm -hmm. and this this um uh, and this thing that you're talking about happened where, you know, I was making that color print and making the test strip. And then I made the 11 by 14 print, took the test strip, turned it around and covered my body and mm. went back in. And I kept I was being sneaky about it and taking prints down. And yeah, exactly. And then I had this moment where I just remember it so clearly that I was just like, I revealed it almost in a way. Or I revealed myself and it was like, OK. So once like the print was made, it was like this tangible thing that then it existed as a part of me. And. It was the only way I could kind of get through it at that time, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I could, I could imagine that absolutely. And then you started this work before you were at in graduate school, so you had already been working on it for a number of years, like three or four years. Yeah, three right? or four years, I think. Yeah, yeah. two thousand four years. And uh, when you applied to school, was that the body of work that you primarily showed? Yeah. Or to get in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this. We've had a couple people on, I think a couple that that work with self-portraiture and uh, or yeah, and and there's always this idea of how you get identified so closely with your work. Like mm -hmm. you're talking about being in the gallery, and you know there's people there, and they're like, oh, you know that looks like that person in all the photographs or whatever. But um, I'm just wondering, you know, forgetting anything about the issues uh, uh, that come up in the work and questions may, people might ask you or assumptions people might make is. What's it like being just so closely associated with your work that it's that like it's your image of you and like mm -hmm. people see you? Is that does it make it a challenge moving forward or going on to the next body of work? Or I think absolutely because you know after the book and after this moment in time that happened, that was a big challenge that I had about. Well, I faced it in grad school too, from going into the program, making these self portraits. That's what I was tr really interested in doing and learning more about like how I can push myself, how I can push the work further. And then having to figure out a way of being on the other side of the camera, being on like the maker and not the mm -hmm. actor and not the uh, performer or whatever you want to call it, the subject. So I had to kind of devise a way of 
bringing myself back in back into the work and I did that in such a way where I thought about you know these men that I was photographing and these people that I was working with where to get them to relate to me to get them to kind of have the sense of desire that I was seeking in these men I guess I'm like jumping ahead really quickly here Um, but for for me to kind of get a similar kind of exchange or to evoke them and within this like sexual desire kind of exchange that I was seeking, I had to be on the other side of the camera and be more evocative to them. So mm-hmm. ask them to look at me, to like use a light meter and get really close to them, you know, to look them in the eye, to mm-hmm. engage them, to compliment them. And I don't do that. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. that person, especially with like a man, you mm-hmm. know. And so there's a lot of risks I feel I was taking or putting myself out there to kind of get these pictures, to get these experiences too, where these were like these fabricated relationships that I was like building upon with these subjects that I was working with. So I always kind of comes back and around to like how I function in the work and how I function in all of my work with any photographer does, you know, and it's just like, it's a version of me, but if I'm not necessarily in the picture, it's still rooted in like what my interests are with like the body or with sexuality and and desire. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah, I mean, it does. I, I, Oh, I mentioned my f- friend Lee Ladere earlier mm-hmm. and that I was in school with. And, you know, I, I'm not in this situation. I, 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 The work I've made over the years, I don't think there's anything. I mean, now I've got this book out of my Tampa photographs, mm-hmm. but there, it's there's no as much of an iconic association between, I think, between any of my bodies of work and, and me. Like someone would say, oh, yeah, I know. I've seen these pictures. Oh, your kudzu pictures or whatever. Yeah. Whereas, um, like, for a while, I, I think Lee's getting away from it a little bit now because he's in the Whitney Biennial with some film, 16-millimeter film from Moscow, and he's making other work. But for a while, it was always like, oh, aren't you the guy who, uh, you know, has naked photographs of your mother yeah. and all this other stuff? And, and you know, I, I think that there were challenges with that, right? And so, mm-hmm. oh, well, weren't you the person who, you know, made self-portraits of, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we were speaking with Eleanor Carucci. Well, mm-hmm. the same sort of thing is like when you get so identified with yeah. the work and then you want to move on to something else. I think Eleanor and you both are fine. Both are the next bodies of work you're making are an extension of things that you've done before. And so you would, there, there is a continuity that's, um, I think that's re- readily uh, present in the in the new bodies of work. You know, I was just I looked at your website this morning to remind myself of some of these things, and you can absolutely see that the sensibilities that you were doing in the first body of work are being pulled in and being carried on to the other. But um, yeah, I wonder I, is that it's something that you that maybe you'll be talking about for a long time, right? It's just like, oh, this iconic body of work that you mm-hmm. got so well-known for yeah. and started out with. Well, it's interesting, too, now, because, well, when I go out now, it's not even, like, I'm that recognizable of that person, you know, mm-hmm. since my body has changed so much. So it, in a way, I've become more, like, anonymous, or the subject matter is not so directly connected to the physical. Mm. And so that's been kind of an interesting process for me. But then also like within this process of like losing this weight and trying to make work about what that process was, it's kind of like I've felt like, oh, the tension is gone or the body is gone. And so how do I like bring that back into the pictures and Mm. like newer photographs after 11 years um, where I'm photographing myself in a relationship that I'm in um, and starting to work on other projects where I look at them and I'm like, am I just romanticizing this? Like, am I, what does this body mean? And I've been struggling for the last couple of years to kind of make this work. And I haven't even put it, I just actually updated my website this winter. I finally like <laughs> went through and like hadn't been updated since 2013. I wasn't ready, I think, to update it, you know, mm-hmm. just like I 
sit on things. I tend to like marinate and just like kind of look and work and edit and I don't necessarily put things out right away. So now that it's like exposed or now, not exposed, but now that I've kind of put them into the world, I'm kind of wondering like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does this next kind of chapter of my life or chapter of my work mean? And am I making the same picture over and over again? Because that's kind of what it feels like when um, I look at the pictures. And so that newer body of work uh, that I started to, sorry, that I started to work on, it feels like I'm pushing something new, you know, I'm pushing myself to kind of get outside of myself, but still be within these kind of ex- personal experiences that I've had. And, and did you think of 11 years as kind of marking the the end of that part of, of, of the work you were doing or for, I, at least for a time? Yeah, I think for the, for the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even like when I was restructuring my website and I made, it was always called self-portraits. Like on my former website, I just called it self-portraits. Oh. And then with the book, 11 years. And when I was restructuring this, I thought, well, how am I going to put this new work into this sequence, you know? And a I just, lot, and a lot of your photographs are even just untitled number yeah, 25, yeah. untitled number 44. Up to like 60, yeah. almost 70 at this point. Yeah. Because I didn't want to associate a title with it either. In the earlier pictures, you know, I would and... And now when I look at them or see it, it feels like too direct and obvious, like, confer- uh, <laughs> what is it, like, confirmation, <laughs> like, purity, you know? It's just, like, it's it's very, like, where I was at that time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, untitled number 20, untitled number 24, it just seems to make more sense to me. And again, speaking of time, linear time in that sense. Well, one thing I also read was you talked about at the conclusion of when 11 years was coming together, an idea of that as your body had changed that you, it's almost like you lost your muse or something, right? Or like there was like, maybe you didn't, you never didn't articulate it that way, but like that, well, you were, your life was changing and you yeah. were interested in doing other things. And so it's like that association, this thing you'd been like working so dedicatedly on yeah. for all these years, it suddenly, it shifted out from underneath you in a way. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't force myself or I can't even make the pictures that I made. I can't go back to this place of like this curiosity and this like vulnerability and, you know, put myself into this role of, as I did when I was like 23 or 22 or, you know, and I look at that work and I look at 11 years and I see this process of becoming a woman. Like I see this process of like forming an identity of like having a voice, you know, and prior to that, I was never able to kind of speak, you know, I was never able to speak about my body or Mm -hmm. feel that I had the agency to like have any, um, I don't know, dialogue about things that were interesting to me, but the work was a way of um, injecting it into it. And, you know, we should, we should explore it a little bit more though, because we have been talking about the book and the way Mm -hmm. you photograph and all kinds of things, but not, not so much directly talking about that, the photographs themselves in a sense, but they, uh, they do explore both body image and relationship. Mm-hmm. the work and I think um, and a lot of your work does right um, even what you're working on now yeah. yes mm-hmm. and so the um, I mean uh, so the interesting idea is that uh, one is one is completely uh, influential over the other right I mean your own body image and what you think about yourself and levels of confidence and things like that it it, it also affects who you might seek out as a partner who you might seek out for companionship mm-hmm. you know, right you might be fulfilling a need or you might be trying to uh, reach out to something uh, or someone different than you are, right? I mean, there's this all kinds of way to approach it. And uh, this is all kind of pop psychology. But, <laughs> but that's, that's uh, what, I, what I liked about the idea of exploring body image in relationship is the fact that, that the way we perceive ourselves has so much to do with the way we relate to others, mm-hmm. the way Absolutely. we identify with others. Yeah. 
Yeah, and photography for me, especially in 11 years and the earlier pictures too, when it was about, you know, early 2004 or something, like wanting to be in a relationship so bad, like a physical relationship, to have a partner, to be have a boyfriend, to know what love is, to question like, am I lovable? Like, can I love all these different aspects of it? And the camera kind of... Uh, allowed for me to have these experiences. And that was what was so great about photography for me is that like I had these big questions or I had these big desires about touch or feelings. And even though it was a total facade or that I was making it up, there was a reality in the situation sure. that I was enjoying and having those experiences with. Yeah, and, you, and a record too. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, using, using those photographs and the photographs you made to mark and explore the certain moments in your in your development, in your, the way you're, in your processing of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did read that you were, uh, in high school, you were on, like taking photographs for the yearbook, right? Uh, yes. So, uh, maybe you can just take us back to how did you even get interested in photographing sure. in the first place? Yeah. Cause I have, didn't read that anywhere. I was looking for it. Yeah. I, I actually, my, when I was a child, I remember being really kind of drawn to the family album and my parents never kind of put it into an album. It was a box of photographs that was in my dad's office, like on a top shelf. And I would kind of go into the into his office and I would lay out these pictures all out on the floor, kind of compartmentalize them, organize them, cut them, crop them. I mean, it was like my little scrapbook. And then they would just go back into the box and mm. nothing really ever happened with them. But I don't know if like my memories are formed by those images too from my childhood or the pictures that mm. I thought were good. And so I have all these memories that are just like generated from an image. And my grandparents too, My they would go on vacations and they'd come back and we'd go over to their house for dinner and they would force us. It wasn't forcing me, but I remember my family not being that interested in it. <laughs> but they would sit through and do a slideshow, slide yeah. Kodachrome, Ooh, nice. showing us all of their adventures. And it was always like my grandma being photographed in front of this like monument or a mountain. Or I think they went to China. And he would go through and like in detail kind of explain everything. And I was kind of really fascinated by it. Um, and so that was like my earliest kind of memories of photography. And when I got into high school, um, they had a photography class and I just kind of thought, I'll take this. I was interested in art, but I wasn't like good with a paintbrush or, you know, drawing or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's rough. I know, right? <laughs> that's why that's why the three of us are here. Yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And where was this, by the way? Oh, this was in Arizona. Okay. So my because oh, you were born in Ohio? I was born in Ohio, then my family kind of moved around a lot in the beginning. My dad, you know, working and whatnot. And then we lived in Illinois for the majority of my childhood. And then when I was in the seventh grade we moved to Arizona and so I hated it I mean it was so crazy though too because I had never been there before and I just remember all these like vivid memories of my parents feeling like we're moving to Arizona right so like okay we're going to Arizona what, what kind of work was your father my doing? dad was in business well he was like um in paper trade oh. and so he was working in distribution and paper and then he got into in Arizona I think he was working for himself and kind of selling and uh like toys that went into like um, I remember like Burger King uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. Pizza Hut and whatnot. So oh, little wow. paper the little kind, of kind of cardboard. Yeah, the prizes. Yeah. So it was kind of, I remember his cabinet being filled with all these like, you know, uh, little mock-ups or whatnot. But so we drove to Arizona, never been there before, and went on this like epic cross 
you know, country road trip with the, my parents and I was with my mom with our cat and my dad, my sister was with my dad with our other cat and we just drove across country and stopped and then, and saw the mountains for the first time. You know, I had, I don't think I'd been to California at that point. I'd never been to the Southwest. And so it was like this experience of like looking, you know, out the car the whole time, listening to music with my mom and then arriving and then just ending up in this apartment and then moving into a house. And so Arizona, for me, I've never really felt comfortable. I mean, there was, I don't know, with my, I made friends and I was like interested in like the things that I was doing, but I never really liked the culture there. And so when I was done with high school, I immediately moved to Chicago where Mm -hmm. I was living in the suburbs growing up there, but then I moved to the city. But when I was in high school and kind of got interested in photography, I took this photography class. And I remember the teacher just showed us you know, movies, film strips, essentially, of like how to do these things or how to process film. And I was just kind of fumbling, you know, just not really knowing what I was doing. Did they not know how to do it either? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I would imagine that was the case. So they just oh, put these films. We're now going to watch on. the film. Yeah. That's right. And like, you have questions, like, rewatch watch the, the film. film. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Before the nice. internet, you can't Google anything. No. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. We rolled film, you know, old school, kind of oh, rolling sure. the film in the room and just kind of had this camera, you know, it was a K1000 that I checked out from the. We had it for the semester and rolling, rolling film, and so it was kind of affordable. And I just really got interested in the camera. You know, I got interested in having doing something with my hands, you know, like developing film, printing. I remember the first time the print came up and just going into the darkroom after school for hours and making prints and, and developing film. And I just remember, too, about like this kind of engagement that the camera gave me where I can hide behind this thing, but then also like approach people and people wanted to be like seen or photographed because I was working on the yearbook staff. That's right. Yeah. So (laughs) going to events and like you had all of a sudden this like connection to these people and photographing like the cute boys or like these guys in the band that I was interested in, but we could never kind of access them. So yeah. You guys need a band photo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a girl. Yeah. Got free film. Um, um, yeah, and then just kind of going from there and taking pictures and then working on the yearbook staff. And I remember like lighting for the first time and being in this kind of studio. They had these little, you know, hot lights that we could use. And it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it sounds like a great high school. It was cool. It was a great experience. Yeah. Um, and then I didn't know what I wanted to do when I kind of graduated. I never took my SATs. I have actually had like severe learning disabilities in my life and like dyslexia and photography kind of made sense because it was backwards. You know, it was like an easy thing for me to kind of understand and to grapple with. And so I didn't have any kind of idea of what I wanted to do. So I knew that I wanted to get out of Arizona. So I moved to Chicago. And I got an apartment with some friends, and I was working at Moto Photo, which is, oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, like, I don't know, worked my way up and was the manager and working there, I don't know, because I was, like, 18 or 19 years old, and just taking pictures. I had the free developing and, like, all this, like, spiff film and whatnot. And so I, it was awesome because then I had all these tools for me and just making pictures around Chicago. And, you know, t- I remember taking the train kind of getting off with my camera and going and photographing. It was just like color film. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just kind of exploring a new city and with my camera. And eventually I kind of found out about Columbia College. Um, And what was so great about it is that it was open admission. So you didn't have to have a, you know, they didn't check your SAT scores or anything like that. It's something that I didn't have. So so yeah, he kind of went there, met with them, enrolled in the program, and then just kind of, it took off from there. And that was a, a visual arts program, a photography program? A photography program, yeah. yeah. A BFA kind of mm-hmm. foundational, yeah. amazing kind of two years of learning the craft and then two years of, you know, figuring out what you wanted to say. 
often because uh, I've got the Columbia Photo Department uh, Instagram account, and often people tag pictures from Columbia College. They yeah. assume it's like, oh, yeah, right. so and so is visiting. I'm like, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, thanks, but that's not, yeah. a, you know, that's the yeah, other yeah. one, you know. Well, I always make that distinction too if I'm talking to people like Columbia College, Chicago, because right. in New York, you yeah, know, yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. in Chicago, of course. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the only one. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Do you ever, have you gone back and look at any of those pictures from those years before you got to Columbia College? Like, I have negatives that, and boxes of pictures that I think are in my parents' basement or something. Mm -hmm. So I haven't, when I moved to, um, from Chicago to New Haven for graduate school, I kind of left a bunch of stuff. Actually, my sister's basement, not my parents, but uh, yeah. So no, I have not, but I should get back to it. And yeah, see. there might be some gems <laughs> in there that you could uh, integrate into other bodies of work. You yeah. never know. Yeah, yeah. I do have, and I took a photography class in community college in Arizona before I left. Um, and I, it, there was a self-portrait assignment, and I have this hilarious photograph of me like kneeling down I was really into like raving those days it was like you know 97 and so I had like the big pants on polo sport t-shirt and I'm like next to a Cadillac like kneeling down like with this like <laughs> position and it's and that's like I found that and it was it's hilarious I've kind of thought about integrating it into my slideshow sure, for yeah. lectures but I'm like almost too embarrassed at this point but it's like sitting in my studio you know nice. along with my ne next to my negatives and it's like a hilarious reminder oh. of my past so are, are your uh, parents still with us still married still yeah yeah they live in tucson tucson okay mm -hmm. so uh, in a retirement now uh, phase or? yeah they're in retirement for the most part like transitioning into mm -hmm. that yeah and so what what do they think of all this you your career well yeah i mean they didn't really well, they always joke or that they never thought I like their idea for me when growing up and uh, six, to be a success or whatnot with my background was kind of like to go to trade school and be a nurse or something like mm. that. Like that was like the, something that they thought would be a good option. And when I got into Yale, they were kind of really proud and really shocked in a way. And so I know that and with my career and with my work, I know that they've been really kind of supportive of it. Um, I remember for my BFA show, the gallery was closed. So we couldn't go into it. So oh. but you can see it from the street because I guess they, our graduation was on a Sunday or something like that. And so you can see the work from the street. And so that was like the introduction. And I, they didn't know, I didn't even know what I was doing really, but it was like me in front of the pictures. And I was, I started that work in April and I graduated in May. So it was a really oh. short time. Yeah, and short. the thesis show was, I think, three photographs from the early pictures. Mm -hmm. And so my dad's just like, oh, it's you, neat. <laughs> and I couldn't say anything. I was just like, yep, you know, and so, yeah. Uh, I have a funny thing to bring up. Have you, do you know about this website, uh, photographybyjendavis.com? No, I do not know about this <laughs> <What> website. <is> this? <laughs> it's, it's this amazing uh, New Jersey-based, and Michael is in New Jersey, New Jersey-based <laughs> photographer. She does like weddings and bar oh, mitzvahs yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She must be haunted by you, your website too. It's like people like, like looking to like find their bar mitzvah photos and then oh, they totally. get to your like, website. What like, is this? What is like, Especially <laughs> like the spray tan yeah, stuff. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. I don't want this woman That's coming exactly. to photograph my I know. kids. <laughs> I know. That's very true. And I've gotten emails from like her clients too and being right. like oh I got recommended you by so and so and I'm like wrong Joan Davis I oh, just so you don't want the work is that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can live up to her yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I started uh, using my full name Michael Chovendalton pretty recently because 
there were there was the Mike Dalton band, and there were there were about five mm. Michael Dalton wedding photographers, yeah. and it was impossible to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the first, uh, you come up first. But when I googled it, I, I saw that down there. I was like, what? What could this be? Yeah, and I yeah. clicked on it. It was it's pretty amazing. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Absolutely. So yeah. now now tell us it's your alter ego. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's how we make money. Photography yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could be. So uh, so then what are you actively working on? Yeah, I, I saw those the several projects on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there's, uh, I think, can we talk about, I, I, I got to look at the title. Before we, oh, we oh, move on okay. to more current stuff, yeah, though. Sure, sure. So there was some time between uh, Chicago and Yale. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, what kind of work were you doing uh, between the... The two programs or yeah. whatnot? Well, as I was mentioning, too, when I finished school, I kind of had three photographs or something from the self-portrait mm-hmm. series. And I felt like it was just like the start of something. And so I, f- I felt very fortunate that I left a program with something that was just on the cusp of being developed, you know? And then that gave me the ability to, like, work on it, to work on it myself. And because I was dealing with personal issues, I was able to make these images, and no one had to see them. I didn't have to be accountable for them. I didn't have to show them in crit. So I was able to just explore. Mm. And so in my time in between, I was just pushing myself and working and meeting with some people on the side, former professors, and and also, like, having crit groups with friends and whatnot. And then... For work-wise, I was working at Columbia College still in, like, the studio. So working in the studio, working in the dark room, and that gave me the um, ability to use the facilities, too, which was amazing. So lights and the dark room and the digital lab, although I was terrified of the digital lab at that time. (laughs) And also I kind of, at that point, started teaching in high school. So in Chicago, there's a program called Marwin Foundation, and it's a great, amazing program where they have for at-risk youth. So they have all different kinds of art programs. So I was teaching photography to junior high kids and high school kids as well. And so that was a pretty amazing experience. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, then the, the work that you produced during that time is the work you used for, uh, to apply to Yale. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, I, don't, I guess I'll stay on a linear track then. How was grad school for you? Uh, grad school was, well, of course, it was super challenging for me. I came in and... I wanted to initially not be in front of the camera. I initially did not want to just be photographing myself. I wanted to have this like 180 and change what I was doing. And so I started to just apply what I did to myself or thinking about my own sexuality or my own vulnerabilities and trying to apply that onto other people that I was photographing. And making, finding friends through our different art departments and whatnot throughout the school and just making these really kind of straight pictures of them that lacked any kind of crisis, lacked any kind of really kind of emotion or feeling to them. Like super like banal, like not in a good way. They just felt like really kind of attractive people lounging on furniture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a subgenre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Over time, like really kind of fighting the urge to kind of go in front of the camera again, getting interested in like my sexuality and what grad school was and this kind of fast track to it and being in a new place and not having the same kind of environment around me and feeling challenged. So I started to kind of go for, you know, using Craigslist to find men to photograph. And that was my kind of initial kind of beginnings of it where I was contacting men, trying to get into their homes, photograph them had some success I guess with that of just like the pictures weren't a success but just like the kind of feeling of being part of this and photographing them and having some not dangerous experiences but um I don't know I felt one of the people I was photographing like just really freaked me out he was kind of really strange and saying some 
strange things. And I was like, what am I doing here? So then I started to kind of go into more like public places or a hotel or whatnot. So uh, again, like with these pictures, though, it wasn't really saying anything. Um, and I was starting to think more and more and about portraits of them, portraits of them, like okay. in a bed, like sitting, like direct kind of staring at me. There was a certain kind of distance to it, though, like I couldn't really enter them. So working off of Craigslist and finding this one kid or one, this guy that I found on Craigslist, I don't know, it was like 21 or something like that. And I went to his house and I, over some time shooting, I asked him to take his shirt off and he had this really pasty skin and he was sitting on this white leather couch and the light was like really soft. And I had him put his arm over his head and look at me and put his chin up and there was like a lot of, he was playing into this character that I wanted these men to be. And so for the first time I like, had this kind of exchange. And that photograph led me then to kind of go back to this notion, this idea of the fantasy work that I made in Chicago with my roommate when it was like strictly platonic. Um, there was no sexuality at it. They're really cold kind of pictures. Um, so it kind of led me back to this idea of what I was trying to do then and wanting to be held or wanting to be touched or this idea of a relationship and what that was. So I kind of went back to this feeling as almost if I was regressing because I was not going to photograph myself and I went back to it but it felt like there was merit to it and a reason for me to be doing so mm. um, so that in that semester I was then photographing people that were uh, somewhat new to me so I guess strangers people that I, a guy that I met at a bar um, the guy who I photographed that I was just describing I photographed him again and so I was kind of role-playing and letting like fantasy kind so of was play. part of the breakthrough on with him that was it just that he was willing uh, willing to go along with it or was part of the breakthrough that um, your interaction with him and speaking to him and getting did did the other people that you had photographed at that point you didn't ask them to take their shirt off or tell like you weren't controlling the situation as much yeah or? definitely I was never not controlling it as much and maybe I felt like more comfortable with him um, mm. I maybe it was this energy probably too that yeah, I was, was more comfortable he was into it, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I photographed like this guy on in this hotel room and he he had his shirt off and he was lying on a bed and like had his hand back and but the picture didn't work you know and right. so this was the first time where something like, this guy was finally like feeding into my desire right. and so that was this like impulse that I had to kind of what's further than my desire and like how can I like touch these people mm. and so I kind of just would come these men would come into my apartment and I would set up a like studio like set up a light or if it was daylight and then just kind of role play these like fantasies that I would have um, and then Furthermore, after that, I kind of got into really kind of expressing this and being more descriptive with it or more frontal, I guess, is a way of putting it and photographing myself. And I can't even I wouldn't show those pictures now. I can't even believe I like showed them in grad school. Um, but I guess this happens when you're there. <laughs> and I made a video that's totally embarrassing, too, but really funny. Teddy Pentergrass is um, come on over to my place is the narration in it. Yeah, and so that was just like my first year. And then my first to second year, um, again, it was like, how do I now like get back outside of myself? Like, how do I make this transition of not being in front of the camera? And I spoke to this a little bit earlier too, but similar to that experience that I had with um, the guy in the fantasy pictures, I went on this road trip with two of my friends from grad school. So Sarah Stolfa and Marley White, and we went on the road down south for, I guess, two months or something in between the summer. And I left, and I Gregory Crutzen is 
tells everyone it's like, this is your breakthrough summer. You know, this is your summer to make pictures and to break through yourself. So we all kind of were like, okay, yes, breakthrough summer. Right. Got it. Pressure's on. Pressure's, Pressure's on. on. Yeah, 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 got it. I'm going to come back with something really, really yeah, am great. Am I going to have a breakthrough? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like anxiety. And so I just went on this agenda to photograph men. That's what I was doing. Mm. And so we'd go through these towns. We'd, I'd find these men and I'd photograph them in like various situations. Most of the time it was just like on the road or at the beach or I wasn't really making appointments and photographing anyone. Um, it was more just like in the world. And from that experience I shot, I don't know, 80 rolls of film, 100 rolls of film and brought it all back, developed it. And there was only one picture that really worked, one picture that kind of made it into my thesis too. And it was because of this experience that I had with this person that I was photographing where and I made an appointment and arranged to photograph him the next day. I met him at a bar. I didn't have my camera with me. And I just kind of had this rapport with him in, at, in the evening. And then I showed up at his apartment or his house. And this was in New Orleans. And I was photographing him and his T-shirt was distracting. And I asked him to change it. And he came out of his room with like a shirt in his hand. And it was just like his bare chest. And it was New Orleans, August, and hot and mm. muggy. And so his chest hair had kind of all kind of it was uh, gleaming, gleaming a little bit gleaming and it's it curled, curled up, up. it's yeah, like yeah. sweaty I've and seen the it's photo, like I a know. rug yeah, I know and I was photo. like uh, it was like I wanted just to touch it you know <laughs> I was just like this is amazing um, and all and I like complimented him on it and probably embarrassed him but I was like I love your chest hair and I do have a thing for hair anyway so <laughs> but in some ways you had a, a more professional relationship with him because you had set up the time and met with him before and yeah. and, and and that was different from almost all the other men you had photographed? Yeah, it was different than, at that point, yeah, it was different from all the men that I had photographed, where it was very fleeting, I didn't know them. But so all of a sudden I realized that I was like really kind of attracted to him. I was attracted to him before, but it was some kind of erotic in a way, and so I, I just talked to him differently, and the whole kind of energy and chemistry of the shoot changed as well, and realized that it was like, I was like being more provocative, or I was like like giving him compliments or whatever it was and so when I saw the picture and he has like his chest is puffed and he's like looking through the lens he's got this really penetrating gaze and I was like this is the picture that like makes sense to me and then it was all about like this kind of relationship that I had with him and the time of making the picture so I kind of thought about that more and that's what the kind of work became to kind of be about was about these kind of exchanges that I had with these people when in my former work in the self-portraits you know there was so much truth embedded in that work at least to me because I couldn't the camera saw me in such a different way it saw my body in a different way that I could see it I couldn't hide or lie to the camera and now I'm on the flip side of it and I'm like working with the subject and I'm in a hotel room and I'm with a cowboy and he's blowing smoke out of his mouth and there's nothing sexual about our exchange at all but it's just like how the photograph feels and how the photograph looks and his gaze and the light and all these different things and so I was playing with that in the work and but a lot of the pictures too in that series it's called I Ask and Exchange they're all for the most part like random encounters um, and it was important for me to to kind of meet someone to ask them if I can photograph them to photograph them on the spot and then like move on mm -hmm. like I don't have their email I don't have their release I have nothing I have their name the location and that's it yeah and I was when I was looking at those photographs on your website I uh there's a mix because some of them are look like you know oh man on the street and he's literally just standing on the sidewalk or somewhere like that and then but then there's others that are inside right like yeah. there's like interiors too yeah. so you know I couldn't help but think of uh 
the Joel Sternfeld strange is it Stranger Passing or something? Is, I think a, so. Oh yeah. But they they see more the his, his Joel's photographs of like strangers passing. It's a lot of just people on the street and and you there isn't very much of an intimate connection to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas I thought, which was different about uh, this series of yours, is that although there are those ones of like these men presenting themselves, you know, out on the street or in front of the building or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's also these interiors, and so it the mix of the two of them really changes it. And of course, the you know the way they're looking, mm-hmm. the way they're looking and mm-hmm. looking at us as we look at your photographs, yeah. right? Yeah, and like the, there's a combination too of of as you're mentioning to the interiors and exteriors and that was like my way of working too because I was in grad school I couldn't be on the road photographing um all the time and so like there's one of a guy sitting on the edge of the bed and I knew that person and I wanted just to kind of wake up with someone or to be present with someone as they're waking up and kind of look at like a almost like a vulnerability within masculinity um, like what? more There's of no sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> sensitivity. <laughs> Where is it? Um, <laughs> and so I like arranged that the night before. I set up my camera. I got his keys and I went. I creeped into his apartment early in the morning, <laughs> and was really quiet and woke him up and like put him on the edge of the bed. And I also put that girl in there too, which was his roommate. Because whenever I was like working, when there was a woman. I wanted to kind of create the female presence in a way. And so like legs or there's one where it's like a back of a woman's head. So just to kind of insert myself into the pictures too, because it was like this kind of fictitious relationship that the work is about. So, so yeah, there was many different ways of kind of dealing with it. Or later on when I was in New York, I used Facebook. I saw this guy who I thought was like super interesting. Um, He was a friend of a friend and I reached out to him and he's like an artist. I think he studied sculpture and went to mass art. I gave a lecture there a couple weeks ago, or maybe not weeks ago at this point. It was November or October. And two of the people, strangely enough, the faculty or some students like knew who these people were. Mm-hmm. One of them being this kid, Corey, that I photographed, this guy, Corey, that I photographed, who was a former MFA student there. And I found him through a friend who went to mass art. And then this random encounter that I had with this guy who I found on some like dating website or I don't remember who was just like some Bostonite you know Mm -hmm. and he lives in Somerville and uh, they knew who he was too and I was like I thought these were so anonymous and whatnot and then (laughs) it was strange that there was that connection because I really enjoyed the kind of fleetingness of it and like leaving and you know, it, this, these pictures were made in 2008, 2009. So again, like me going and approaching some guy on the street, it wasn't like that strange. You know, it wasn't like, where is this image going to end up? Right. You know, what, what's your intention with this? Like, yeah. And now I, I feel like much more sensitive about it, you know? Yeah. Do you think people are more sensitive about Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. 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 Are, yeah. are you putting this on, are you just going on yeah. Instagram or Facebook? Exactly. Oh, by the way, you, you, ha- you had your summer breakthrough when you um, set up the... Yeah, with the... With the hairy-chested guy, right? <laughs> I think I did, yeah. yes. And then I tried to fine-tune it a little bit more throughout right. the year. But yeah, no, that was like... That picture means so much to me still. And I've actually kept in t- touch with that guy. I photographed him again since oh, wow. he was my muse or whatnot mm-hmm. didn't work the second time but still right. it was i had to try so is I, I ask an exchange was that um did that start out then 
as your thesis work then finally at Yale? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my thesis project yeah. at Yale. Yeah. So then that, that brings us to, uh, Kai, where you were going uh, about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, oh, no, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not. Oh, is the... <laughs> Is the current, I've got the title here because I couldn't remember it. First call out, is uh-huh. that the current stuff you're working on? Yeah, that's on? Okay. the current stuff that I've been working All on. All right, you want to you describe it since sure, we sure, were sure. so bad about describing the yeah. other, earlier stuff? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like visual. Yeah. Um, yeah, so first call well, of out. Of course, everyone's going to go to your website. Yes. We're going to link to it and they oh, can cool. go see. What, yeah. They can like sing, you know, sing along or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, the work is, it's new. You know, I've, I well, I started making it in 2014, like after the book project came out. Um I had this like need to kind of photograph something else and to kind of have this, see what else I can do, you know, right away kind of because of this marination in the book and the show yeah. and whatnot. And I was in New York. I was met this girl through a friend and just had this like we had a drink or something. We were all out at a bar. And then I saw her again at some Bushwick block party uh, <laughs> a couple months later and she, it was hot and she was like, in shorts and they were like unbuttoned and this little halter top and her body had totally transformed and she was like her sexuality was like just like oozing and and like she loved the attention I was just like wow this girl's like kind of insane and kind of amazing like I was like so fascinated by like what how transformation the transformation and also just like her energy and like these men staring at her and and her wearing these clothes and feeling really confident too you know I wasn't like not judging her it's more of like wow this woman is so confident and like I was just kind of um amazed by that in a way and then the transformation and I started to think about like my personal transformation and like how I felt different in my body and how it was so huge for me and um and I wanted to kind of relate that too to like thinking about why I have not never photographed women before as like a project and what what the meaning of that was, why I hadn't done it. And so I met her and then found out she was in like a bikini bodybuilder culture. Oh, wow. That was her scene. So I went to a competition and just to kind of watch and observe. And I was just dumbfounded by like this kind of the position of these women on the stage and they're like have these little turns that they have to do and they come out and they're in bikinis and they're in like stripper heels and they're bedazzled and whatnot and they're on stage and they're up there making small turns like in position the whole time and then one of the turns is like showing off their glutes and so Mm -hmm. they bend over and all these judges men and women are just like scrutinizing them and I was like this is fascinating to me that these women are like openly wanting to be judged you know and they're putting their body on display and they're working really hard and I have a lot of respect for these women and that, like that they have this like discipline and then then I started to think about like what is perfection and like wow you're judging your body against one another and like get their body's tanned you know they have to subscribe to so much and so there's this like sensational um, sensationalization about it too so there's I, a real ideal too. I mean, it's yeah, like, it's, yeah, absolutely. If, if you're in the scene, you got to know, like, oh, you know, the proportions of this to that need to be this. And yeah, it's like, absolutely, yeah. That's the whole shtick, right? Yeah, for sure. And then coaching and the industry, and it's so interesting to me too because there's no spectators there. You know, it's like family and other bodybuilders or other people, but it's not like it's like this this spectator sport where people go like basketball or whatnot. So I was kind of interested in that too, um, or just like the subculture of it. So I went on a trip because I find it impossible for whatever reason to make pictures in New York. And I always just have to like leave to kind of make images. So I went to Los Angeles because I've never been there before and it just seemed like the mecca of beauty to me. And so I went there 
for a week and I just tried to enter into photograph and I went to some like I went to um I can't remember the name of it right now gold's gym I guess like the bodybuilding sure. gym like the mecca mm-hmm. I went to why am I blanking on these things right now I went to um like Venice Beach yeah Venice Beach Muscle Beach Muscle, Muscle Beach, Beach yeah, yeah. yeah and thinking it was going to be you know all these dudes and women like working out but it just was kind of lame you know it wasn't like what I imagine it to be I guess if you go there at a certain time or, of year or it's changed right the culture's yeah, changed yeah absolutely and so I met these people and I just kind of went and make pictures so I was kind of meeting people at this gym um, talking to them making portraits in their homes then I went to a bodybuilding event and I had been going to these events in New York too just to like to see and to watch and to kind of understand the culture a little bit more too and so I made um, some of the earlier pictures on this trip and then took some time off, like processed it, and then was making some photographs in between that, like going to the Arnold in Columbus, Ohio. So it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's big bodybuilding fest. Yeah, my sister goes to that. Oh, she does. Yes. Does she live in Columbus? No, or? she lives here uh, okay. in yeah, New York, on Long Island. Mm. She's a bodybuilder. Oh, she is? Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> ah. So I, then I you know, went to that. I made a photograph there that I felt was... like could be part of the project and then this last summer is when I really started to push it more and started to get to work and challenging myself I'm like I can make pictures in New York like this is everywhere like just kind of get over it you know and go to these events and meet people and so um, I was just kind of fascinated in, in these women and wanting to kind of photograph them on the periphery too so like taking them outside or I'm not interested in the stage but I'm interested in like the performance of it all and first call out is when um, they're competing and they put five women or men to um, closer to the judges and the person in the center is like the number one and they're comparing everyone else and so they're moving them around this five people mm. just to get a better look of them and they're making all these turns. So that's where the title kind of comes from. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I you know, I guess I don't know if it says it on the website, but I almost immediately assumed California when I saw started looking at the pictures. And there must be something in the background. Like, yeah. Because there's, a, there's one where... Uh, someone is uh, like rolling on fake yeah, tan yeah. stuff, and you can see in the background. It's like it's like that one's kind of amazing. It's like this guy with a roller Dude. rolling on this the fake yeah. tan stuff, and with a fan blowing out behind yeah. her. It's like whoa! It what was the hell? amazing. I, that was like the <laughs> yeah. first thing I saw when I was driving. I was driving, and I saw that, and I was like, <laughs> I parked, and I like kind of I was working with them. Um, And my intern kind of came with me that summer, too. And we were working together. And I was like, I need to go and find that woman. So we, like, kind of ran over. And she's like, yeah, totally. Take my picture. Mm -hmm. And she was, like, doing this. And, I mean, I'm kind of directing them in a way, too. But it's like, I don't know. I'm, like, like, trying to figure out how to talk about this work, too, since it's really new as well. And it takes time to process that as well. But um, I'm kind of interested in these moments of when... They have a way of being photographed. They have a look. You know, I've been like researching this on Instagram and using Instagram as source material too, of just like getting ideas from it too, of like how they pose and how they like they pull their shorts up and their muscles are yeah. like bulging out. You know, I'm like yeah. amazing. And Th- so there's also a whole thing to their diet. Yeah. You know, the, what they do 24 hours before any competition yeah. is insane. They're totally. torturing their bodies. And then what they have to do afterwards, to just they just binge eat because yeah. <laughs> they've been starving I themselves. Know. Yeah. I've been wanting to photograph the binge, actually. Mm-hmm. I've been, but I'm like, I'm like, how do I do it? I'm just trying to figure that out. But I really want to see that, too, and to see that process of it. But I haven't been able to kind of get there yet. Mm-hmm. 
But 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 yeah. Oh, but also too, there's something about like research and watching and seeing how they want to be presented, and trying to think about that that flux, you know, of like tr- of them like ha- like being in a different kind of gesture, a different kind of pose. And so the woman that you're talking about with her being uh, rolled on tan and just like her pinup kind of version is not like a representation of she would deal with herself on Instagram or Facebook or whatnot. But I'm really sensitive too to like how I'm treating these people. You know, there's like uh, a question that I'm having, like, am I being cruel? You know, am I like making fun of them? Like, I don't feel that I am, but it's a it's a sensitive kind of subject that I'm kind of dealing with. Yeah, I mean, it's look. There's uh, there is an artif- uh, artificiality. There's like something of that presentation, and uh, I guess the artificial parts of it. Like, of course, the spray tan part. Mm-hmm. I mean, the very first picture on your website is the per- someone getting spray tanned yeah. in one of those booths or something, yeah. right? And so, and then you have to be aware of it. And the other photographs too is everyone's glowing and and all that. So there there is this veneer of like it makes you think about everything else that they're doing to present this image, which, you know, goes back to our humanness, at least now in the modern era. It's like everyone is very caught up in thinking about presentation and, you know, being aware of things. And, and, you know, these people are just taking it to a certain extreme or or like a different one than maybe someone who's working on wall street is doing and, you know, and people go to art openings are doing or whatever, but the, and, so maybe it may, it's easier for us to be aware of it when and looking at those pictures when you see like oh is this person got you know fake tan or have they mm-hmm. been do they they must be working out constantly to yeah. maintain this thing or uh, or you know of course like breast implants are big yeah, in yeah. that culture because yeah. you like you work you work the breasts away and then you need to, like if you want to have that feminine shape you add them back yeah. in or something all yeah. going towards these. If when I even say that, I mean towards like this, um, you know, a, a different conventional type of beauty, right? Mm-hmm. This like beauty through um, uh, body modification sure. and everything else. And I'm so interested in body modification. That's kind of where it began too, or what I started to think about with this project. And just like I'm really interested in endurance too. You know, I'm really interested in like the physicality of body and like what people kind of in in their working out. You know, and watching like their muscles kind of change and shift um, when they're at the competitions. Michael was saying like they don't eat, they don't drink water, they have a cap full of water, they take a pill to dehydrate themselves right. so their muscles show up more. It's like, and then they're in this kind of state when they're there, and it's just like it's a it's fascinating to me too. I've been trying to, I've been working also over the summer um, on a video component as well that's not necessarily ready um, at this point, but I was trying I was having a hard time kind of relating what I wanted to fully like through a photograph. And so I kind of thought, thought about like these men and these women and like flexing or looking at themselves in a mirror and uh, the relationships in themselves as they're like evaluating their physique because mm-hmm. again like all these videos that I'm watching on Instagram they're you know with their coach or they're filming it and they're putting it on Instagram and they're like you know their friends and their cult their culture of people they're talking about it and giving them advice and whatnot and so I started to think about like this moving image and these people looking at themselves in mirrors um, I met these twins who are, are amazing and I but I took them to the studio and was photographing them like in the mirror but like looking at each other so it's like there's a sense of illusion that happens with them and then this other woman who's like into fitness and so I'm trying to like 
put it together, but aesthetically, it's like what I enjoy about the video piece is that the location where I'm at, it's like I found my light. You know, I like found this light that's so important to me and the warmth of it. It's at the studio that you rents by the hour in Manhattan. It's called like Ripley Greer, I think. It's more of like a dance and performance studio. So there's like sound lessons and whatnot. So th- it's cheap. I thought you were getting spiritual there for a second. Oh, really? said, I found my lights. Like, oh, <laughs> where's this going? <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Could be. Not, not this decade. Um, yeah. Jen Davis at 50. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> but yeah, oh, that, that's yeah. great. And you, you mentioned a, a couple times that you've gone through your own transformation. You've, yeah. You had your own experience. What, what are you referring to? Oh, I'm talking about like my, my body. Mm-hmm. Like f- that's my physical transformation with my body of like having this surgery, like this lap band surgery and, you know, constricting what I can eat. And so there was this kind of a similar kind of approach, not a similar approach, but a similar experience of like, not being able to like eat a certain thing and losing weight and like feeling different in the world. And so that's like a transformation that I guess I feel similar to. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not anything near as extreme, but it's extreme for me. It's it's more about health and right. And, 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 and just your own body image, but it's not, it's not about performance or right. The way bodybuilding is. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's also one of those pictures is there's like a very one that's very homoerotic, like those two guys, mm-hmm. you know, like you see the back of one yeah. and the other guy just like staring him, you know, but, you know, he's I'm they're looking at each other with this critical eye and of course, and uh, lovingly as well and yeah. like being impressed and all of that. And uh, but that all gets matched up. It, I had um, uh, a friend of mine, a former student who was in the who was a gay black man who was in the Marines. And he said being in the Marines was like the most homoerotic uh, arena he'd ever been in because even all these straight guys that he was in the barracks with, they were also obsessed with how they looked in their uniforms Mm -hmm. and like their wives would come for like the weekends and they all had to be in, you know, their dress uniform. And and he, he remembers like one of these guys going like, man, I wish my ass looked like yours. And he's like looking at his ass, like, I wish my ass looked like yours in that uniform. Like, what I wish I could do something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's just like, he's like, he's like, he couldn't believe it. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, wow. It's like, but when you get there, when these, there's these certain obsessions and it crosses all these lines about, you know, desire yeah. and, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, what does it mean to desire the body of uh, someone else who you're not, you don't want to, it's not a sexual desire. It's like like a physical, physical desire. Physical, yeah, yeah, surface like, kind of desire. Yeah, at exactly. All. Like, mm-hmm. wow, if I could only you know look yeah. like that or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, or, if yeah. I, or have my you know chin look like that or whatever sure. it is. My pecs are. It's yeah. like genetics too. You know, yeah, yeah. with these with these people. Um, yeah, those men I found at the Arnold actually, and I thought they were twins, and I like chased them because they looked so identical, and I. They got him to come over to my light, um, <laughs> and I brought them into this kind of area. Then just yeah, I kind of knew what I wanted out of them too, which I usually don't. But for some reason, I just wanted them kind of like looking at each other, you mm. know, and just like the shadow and the, like the the way that the light works kind of emphasizes that too. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the about light or about the construction of your photographs because. Uh, going back to 11 years a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, 11 years, a lot of, a lot of gets talked about of like, oh, 
who you are and you know your body and the person and everything but those photographs are all like lovingly made like the light in them the there's a real lushness to <clears throat> even the backgrounds like I, I can remember like purple walls and green walls and like and the, the, there's the one where you're um eating oranges at mm -hmm. the at the kitchen countertop and it looks like a vermeer or something right it's like the light coming through the yeah. window and it's like so you're you're also hyper aware of wanting to have this part of the beauty, this beauty, the beauty coming in through the way the photographs look, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was it. Was something I think that was really subconscious of. I think that was something that was really subconscious of me doing at that time too. Where, you know, I was, I was seduced by light. I, I didn't know I was so seduced by light until I started working in color. Actually, like in black and white. Prior to it, a project that I was working on before I started the self-portraits when. I was working with one model. I was kind of calling them a self-portrait without me and them. She was like my surrogate, you know, and I talked about that. But then the work couldn't really go past a certain place. Mm. Ambiguous narratives because I didn't have a language to kind of associate it with. But when I switched and I started to make self-portraits, I like needed to shoot in color just because I wanted to see the color of my cheeks. You know, like mm. I have really red facial cheeks and I wanted to see flesh, you know, and so it made sense to shoot in color. And prior to that you know I'd been doing a lot with the artificial lighting and I lived in a garden apartment so I didn't have this beautiful light kind of in my space mm -hmm. and then after I graduated from school I moved in this apartment that you were just referring to yeah and it was this amazing three-bedroom apartment mm -hmm. um, on the third floor everything around it was on the second so it was like not obstructed at all windows everywhere you know my roommates were uh, they painted their rooms that just like had a beautiful aesthetic to it mm -hmm. And I moved into this, and I, that became, like, my aesthetic as well. I remember, like, coming home one night and opening the door, and there was this, like, amazing light in the building, in this, where the kitchen table was, and thinking, oh, I can make a picture around here. And so the light kind of directed where the image was going to be. And, I mean, I made the earlier pictures, for the most part, are all in this one apartment. Mm. Um, and it was all like learning about like appreciate appreciation for light or the agency of light, um, color too, and just like the beauty that you're speaking of where I was like seduced by, you know, this pale kind of color. Or I was seduced trying to get people to look at me or to place beauty onto a non-conventional subject that could be perceived as beautiful. Or I couldn't see myself that way, but I could appreciate the world and the like light that I was creating with it. Yeah, <clears throat> I think in the Stephen and I series more, there's like a lot of like extremes of light and dark, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, or you know, and look, I think every photographer has. There's, you know, there's moments in your apartment where you know the light just comes through and does oh, yeah. the magic thing. Yeah. So my apartment in Bushwick, it's around like seven, seven thirty in the morning. It just comes through the park. I live across from the park, and it just comes through. And of course, you see every bit of dust on the floor and everything <laughs> as well because it's so directional. But everything looks amazing, you know, and incredible yeah. and yeah, yeah. Uh, dramatic sure. and everything. And uh, thinking also of color and flesh and and the quality of light. Um, I, I know there's, I think it's also from Stephen and I, there's, but there's a photograph for someone sitting up in bed, you see them from behind and they have a, a suntan or a partial suntan oh, yeah. or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that's really, you're not gonna, you can't convey that as easily with black and white photography. No. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These subtle changes in the light yeah, and the yeah. subtle changes in skin tone and things yeah. like that. Right? Yeah. And with like, uh, with those pictures too. And when I kind of went back to photographing myself after 
taking a break for some time, and this is kind of talking about 2010 now, where before I had the surgery and after grad school, I didn't like know what I wanted to do. I was working a full-time job in New York, editing pictures, kind of got into this world of uh, photo editing for a website. And that kind of took my over my life for a while. And Wait, was, it wasn't for photographybygendavis.com, no, no. was it? No. <laughs> Actually, moonlighting with yeah, her right. on the weekends. Um, yeah, and so the, my... I worked really hard and I made a decent salary, could pay my rent, you know, I got an apartment, you know, I had these things, nice. but then I was Post-grad school success, yeah. you know, yeah. paying rent. Paying yeah. rent, I know, <laughs> adult, I'm an adult now. Um, and then, but I was just like miserable. I learned so much though at this job. Um, the website's nycgo.com and so it's the marketing of New York City essentially. So I worked with really amazing people and I got to collaborate on projects and I got to, you know, shoot some things for them and direct some things, but it was totally not satisfying at all. And after three years into it, and there's so much like redundancy with it, like every, like don't miss November, like this feature, like best bars in New York, you know, Uh, or best restaurants. So I just felt like I was just like useless. Um, So I took... After three years, I gave myself a deadline. Okay, next year I can't be doing this. I have to get out of this job. And I went to, um, I took, I started working four days a week, and I started teaching at ICP. And then I went um, and took a month off and did a residency at Lightwork. And that's when everything kind of changed for me there. Really? Yeah, like well, in the works especially because I proposed in my um, residency to work on the book, and so. I had been making sea prints in the darkroom before that, and mm. I didn't really know too much about Photoshop or really right. how to like make a perfect Imicon 3F scan. Right. And I didn't really know my way around Photoshop either. I knew the basics, but I was no pro. Now, is that before Shane got there? Shane Lavalette got there? That was before Shane. Yeah, yeah it was John and Hannah right. was there at that point. And so I was at this residency. It was the month of May. I had my little room that I was working out of, scanning everything, putting eight by printing, making eight by 10 prints and like kind of wallpapering my tiny, my studio with them. And one of the images, it's a really kind of problematic photograph where it's, the lighting is really problematic where uh, it's kind of window light, then it's, I'm sitting on a, on a tub. And so then the lights on in the room. And so it's like bouncing light from the tub onto my body and the skin tone is really off and like kind of green. And I didn't know how to deal with the negative. It was a total mess. And so what's so amazing about light work is John Mannion's there and he's a master and he has all these work aides working with him who help you, who help you scan, who help you work on the files. And so it's like a teaching place as well for them. I think that they're undergrad and graduate students that are doing it. And so since this negative was kind of a disaster, it was like, well, this is a good teaching tool. (laughs) And so the photograph is, I had never even like, Looked at, I hadn't really looked at this photograph before. It wasn't part of my project. Um, I made it. I made an 8x10 print of it and put it in a box. And then when I was editing for the book, it's like I needed to like have a more well-rounded kind of version of myself where there was almost like this representation of something that was like grotesque in a way. And this picture to me kind of represents that because it's shapely of the body and it's like exposing like you see like the ripples of my skin and the towel that's like rippling down and so there's this like beauty in it because of the towel and it takes on this like velvety kind of uh, material than this like rawness of the skin so anyways the negative was a complete mess and so I had these people and like sitting around me on this big monitor 
and working with John and blowing it up to like 100%. And it was like the problem areas of the file, which was like the skin. And it was just like moving it around and like talking about it. And it was like really kind of medical in a way, you know, because it was just like a file and they were just dealing with numbers, you know. To me, it was to me, it was like mortifying because it was like (laughs) under like a microscope. And I had never like seen this image really before. So I wasn't that comfortable with it. And then it became a teaching tool. And then I had pictures all over my studio, too, of me from the last <laughs> nine years at that point. And it was like everything because I was I'm like scanning everything, you know, going to make right. prints, like get these files in a good place. Nothing like those. seeing yourself poor by poor. Oh, right? Jesus, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I had that point, like I'd been fine, like with the work, talking about it. Mm fine with like looking at myself you know but there was such a distance to it because I wasn't living with these pictures all over my apartment you know they'd be in a show or in a in a magazine or I would talk about them with and give a lecture but so much distance and this is the first time where it was like kind of caving in on me and I was just like what am I doing and like what have I done you know I've, I was like having this existential this is not from it's part of this experience with the negative training but it was more so about like looking at my life and looking at nine years and looking at this body that had never changed but my personality or my person and my skin and who I was had changed so much but not the physical side and just like really kind of this existential crisis that I was experiencing when I was like I don't want to be 40 and wake up and be in this body. You know, I don't know what, what it's like not to be in this body. And I didn't know what that meant, but um, it was a super hard month. I mean, I gained so much out of it. I learned so much from that experience. And I don't know if I would have had this kind of need or desire to like make these changes if I hadn't been so um, tightly connected to the work in such a way. And so I got home and I kind of took control, I guess, and had health insurance at the time and had this procedure done and kind of felt like ready at that point. And then so I don't think it wasn't like I had this agenda or this idea like with my project that I'm going to lose 100 pounds and photograph the process. You know, Mm -hmm. it was more about like constantly looking, constantly asking questions, you know, like being aware of something through a photograph or through an image and like through a diaristic kind of version of looking for such a long time that kind of made me realize that I wanted something else. Yeah, it, it sounds like in a way it was um, maybe being away from home, being there, you know, and concentrating on that. It uh, Maybe another version of like that summer between the first and second years of grad school where, you know, yeah, you're absolutely. like, it's a, you're, in a, you're free, you're mm-hmm. here, but then you're in this concentrated moment. Yeah, absolutely. Away from things that are familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you still prefer... Um, Shooting then outside, outside of New York and all? and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to do it here, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, the studio that I found that I was telling you about where it's the one out you rent it by the hour with the light and, like, kind of interested in this place, you know, with this, this curtains and the drama of it with these, like, videos that I'm making. But whenever I travel, I shoot. Like, mm-hmm. I make, like, the work with Stephen and I or by myself because my apartment's, like, too small at this point. And, you know, as you were mentioning, just that light that comes in for <laughs> 10 minutes and then it goes away. And yeah. it's, like, every... It's, like, a railroad, you know, it's small, but I've photographed in this space too much. So now when I leave, when I go into other people's homes, when I'm looking for an Airbnb, it's, like, how would ah. this look photographically, ah. you know? <laughs> and I always leave a Polaroid for the people, too, if I make pictures in there. So I think oh. it's kind of, like, I, maybe they're, like, this is weird. <laughs> But it's kind of like, I don't know, I just kind of like doing it to kind of leave a bit of evidence or something. <laughs> yeah. No, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, uh, we will link to everything, but you certainly have an impressive CV. I was scrolling through, and yes. uh, and there was a couple of things that jumped out to me. Uh, what was the one surprise was uh, being in the Sir Elton John photography collection. <laughs> My parents' proudest moment. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They went and saw him um, in Tucson, I think, three nights ago. My dad called me. He's like. Uh, if I meet him, like, how many photographs does he have of yours? <laughs> He's like, uh, does he, like, what are they? Can you describe them to me? Right. He, like, felt Untitled like, number 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and was there any shot he was going to talk to him? Uh, <laughs> probably not, but he, yes. he was hoping. He wanted yeah. to be prepared. Yeah. 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 yeah, my mom, too, when I, when I told her, she was... My mom's like, do you think that he'll come over and play the piano? And I'm like, no, mom. I'm like, you know who we're talking about here? You should just be like, I'm like, this is an amazing thing. But they they love Elton John. They yeah. sent me videos from the concert. Oh, they were super great. excited. Yeah. I did. Uh, first of all, I didn't know there was a Sir Elton John photography collection. So mm. that's something to, to shoot for. To get yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah Mo's very proud of that. Yeah, it's <laughs> incredible. But uh, it also reminded me that one thing about... Uh, your work is that it. I, I think in the art world we we struggle, and and putting books out in the wor world, you struggle to how do you find an audience for the work, or or how's the work useful beyond you know being in a gallery or beyond this. And um, one thing that's very clear about this work of yours is that it did strike a nerve and and or a chord, you know, whichever way you want to think about it, and it's. Your your work is written up in you know People magazine, uh, you know the Telegraph. Uh, mm -hmm. It's outside of the art world context, yeah. and that that um, you know it can start conversations, and people uh, could have ta uh, talk about it without it having to be about you know oh well I yes I read Buclos and yeah. I, or you know I, yeah, yeah. and I Benjamin uh, says this and that and the other thing and you know so I I think that there's something refreshing about that and it must be satisfying uh, for you as well right absolutely yeah I mean I, I was never really ever considering audience when I was making this work it wasn't something that well when I was like so young, you know, like at an undergrad, like 22 years old, you know, I just want something I didn't consider. And then I think that in taking that on and not thinking about like who would see these, how they would see them, what kind of market these would have, I didn't think anything. I didn't know I didn't care. I was just doing something for myself. And so if that was in my mind, perhaps that would have been like enabled me to make some of the work that I had done because I would have been embarrassed or, you know, I would have been not ready for it or whatnot. But but no, but that the work has reached an audience outside of, you know, the art world and that people can relate to this story. You know, it's not just like about obesity. You know, it's not like this is like, let's, you know, make this just about the obesity and eating disorder. It's like so much more about like relationships and a relationship with self and like just purely about vulnerability and, and desire. And so I've had um, been fortunate to like talk to people about this too, who I've met or have emailed me um, or met at an exhibition. And it's like they could, they tell me that they can see themselves through the work. And so it's like about one person or it is one person that's this thread throughout the work, but it's universal, you know, that they can inject themselves, they can inject their own uh, feeling into that. So I'm, that's like kind of, a, I'm very happy about that, you know, I yeah, just no, didn't really envision good. it to be this way, but yeah. Yeah, it's a great success, yeah. All right, Jen, well, thank you so very much yeah, for coming so here. Yeah, this, this has been a fantastic conversation. Yeah, no, thank I, you. I really enjoyed it too, so thank you for having me. Yeah. Great. And uh, 
Make sure you get the right Jen Davis photo. <laughs> That's right. And we will link to it. And also, and you're you're selling uh, signed copies of Eleven Years through your website. Yeah, yeah, through the website. So that's great. Sent. Any book signings or anything coming no, up? No, that no, we need to know. No, about these are just like kind of on there if people want. They're just like selling out of the studio, and mm -hmm. but yeah. Any shows in the works? Nothing right now. No. All right. Well, all bodybuilders get in touch. That's right. Yeah. Please, please, <laughs> all <right. Yeah>. please. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, okay. everyone. Bye.